0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring, the Musketeer Report, the NKU Radio Network, and much, much more. We look at uh, sports topics locally, nationally, and we've got some gambling picks at the end in which... uh, Rick's starting to make a little little ground, not a lot of ground, somehow, re- yeah. some way.
0: Not really. We got
1: two more pushes, and it's just, it's, it's Ken confounding. Ken Palm is man. unbelievable, he really is. All right, we got a lot to get to. Big week at the Combine, big fight, a lot of college basketball going on, so let's get right to it, Rick.
0: Let's do it. Joe Burrow made big waves at the first two days of the NFL Combine. On Monday, the big story was his small hands after his mitts measured at just nine inches, about as small as it gets for an NFL passer. Then on Tuesday, he spoke to the media and addressed the narrative of him potentially sitting out the season if taken by Cincinnati. Quote, I'm not going to not play, Burrow said. I'm a ball player. Whoever takes me, I'm going to show up. He added that he hadn't commented specifically on playing in Cincinnati because he didn't want to be presumptuous about what the Bengals were doing with the top pick. That's why I've been noncommittal, because I don't know what's going to happen, Burrow said. They might not pick me. They might fall in love with someone else. Skinny, what was the bigger Joe Burrow story this week? His small hands or his direct comments about playing in Cincinnati for the first time?
1: His direct comments, although it's what I've been saying all along. I mean, it, it's, this isn't overly hard. The, the thing is, it was funny. Uh, Paul Daner Jr. and I uh, were, were standing side by side. There was a national uh, media member with us, and we were all just talking. And Paul and I were talking about this for the last week. I said, I said I'm going to stand front and center of the podium. He said, I am too. I said, there's only really one question to ask. If Cincinnati takes you, will you play for the Bengals? And so I had a tweet already typed out. She said, she said, there was only one question to ask, and both Paul and I showed her what our tweet already was. <laughs> she said, bingo, I already got it typed out too. I said, that? I mean, he's never been asked this directly, so let's get the direct answer right. And, and I thought, the funny part was the fact that he said, I'm not going to not play. Somebody actually spun that to say that the double negative means that he really hasn't decided yet. Are you kidding me? Are we not done with this?
0: The mental gymnastics the national media are doing to continue this narrative and again, it's totally because there's no question about who's going to be number one this year. Right. Normally they have that argument and that gets them through to the draft. They can keep going back and forth about that one question but this year they tried it. One one scout for the NFL network came out and said, I've got Tua number one. That lasted for what? Three hours right. before everyone was like, you're an idiot yeah. guy. Uh, so people tried to do a little bit with Chase hey, Young Brooks, but yeah. it, it never got going, never got off the ground. So this is this has become the narrative that has to sustain them and it's, it's falling apart quickly? Is the problem now? It, it, both of these storylines were stupid. The hand thing is beyond dumb. I, I really, it's been proven so many times that guys with small hands have worked out just fine, have he, not had an issue, and then guys with big hands have had fumbling issues like crazy and accuracy issues and everything else. So he, he
1: was great too when he talked about that. He said, Listen. I haven't fumbled much. If I fumbled much, then it's a problem. But I haven't fumbled much. and He's right. He hasn't fumbled much. If he
0: grew up in California in perfect weather, that'd be fine. He played high school football in Ohio. Correct. I think he'll be able I to handle able it just right, fine. Yeah. I, uh, but or will you, we have the Gate with the bagels? <laughs> well, maybe, that, maybe that's what they were doing uh, back at his high school. But you bring up the good point that I think the one overriding theme to all of this was he came out as even more likable than Absolutely. he already was. He had a great one-liner on Twitter saying, maybe I'll retire yep. since my hands are so small, Blah, whatever he said. And then when you guys asked him the question, he answered it directly, He answered it confidently, and he basically said, look, you guys ran with the narrative. I was trying to be a normal human being and not talk about a team who hadn't selected me yet and be reasonably humble, which is not easy to do for a guy in my situation. Granted, I'm putting a lot of
1: words in his mouth here, but no, that's no, essentially I, what he said. I, I said this a month ago. I... I I really think he doesn't want to be presumptuous. I really believe that he doesn't want to he was, say... He was trying to I'm, be a normal human being. Yeah, I, I know all oh, you think I'm number one, but that doesn't mean Cincinnati thinks I'm number one. And and so, what what kind of a jacksmo do you be? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, they, they need to take me number one. No! It's it, a you know,
0: weird position to be in. Yes. He was trying to be normal about it, and then everyone tr- spun that into a huge narrative. To his credit, he answered it perfectly. Um, and he said exactly what you'd want to hear if you were I thought the he team was wanting gr- to i tell you
1: what... I've been impressed with the kid and, and just being there front and center, watching him, how he handled yesterday. Um, when a question was asked, he would literally spin around and make direct eye contact with that person and answer it as directly as he could. Had a little sense of humor. He knows, and the thing is, he also has that little, I know I'm the guy. Yeah, you, he, you, he commands you, the room. You know I'm the guy, but I'm not going to act like the guy. But I, I thought he was great. I thought he was funny. I thought he came off smart. I thought he came off um, with a hint of cockiness, but not complete arrogance. Um, I thought he was I, I. And you know me, dude. I'm as cynical as they come with a lot of these cats. I, I thought he was fabulous. He comes
0: off as actually likable. Yes, while possessing yes. all those alpha yes. leadership type qualities and saying some of the cliches that you need to hear a quarterback say.
1: Yeah, I was talking with uh, with Dave Lappin a little bit yesterday, and he said he talked to some people at Ohio State where Burrow was, and he said, you know, as a third string quarterback, you know, what, what did his teammates? And he said teammates loved him. Because he he was still battling to play without being a locker room cancer and, and still had that leadership qualities. Um, he reminds me a little bit of A.J. McCarron, except he has more ability than A.J. did. A.J. could yeah, command a room. And A.J. knew how to handle us and, and talk to us and be a normal guy. Um, uh, but he just didn't have the talent, unfortunately, to, to to go with it. This guy has all those qualities and then hopefully the talent to go along with it.
0: Yeah, without but, And the
1: small hands thing is just, it, 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 it is, it's funny for a day. It is. It's funny for a day. Why? Because we need to make, we need to, I, I, I will say this. If it isn't, there is something to it, right? There's a little something to it, or else you wouldn't do the measurement, right? Well, that's what I was just going to ask.
0: Is there anything to it at all?
1: I think there is. I mean, and
0: if you, let me put it this way. Yeah. If you were a GM, would you want to know the hand size of a player you were selecting?
1: I think I would, but I... I I also would, it would just be in the stack of things that I know. It wouldn't be a make or a break. It wouldn't be suddenly a guy's got 11 inch hands and can swallow a football whole. Doesn't mean he can spin it or be accurate with it. I um, think my
0: thing would be if I, mean, can I was. I can a guy looking, grip
1: the football and throw it accurately? Yes, I, I think I've seen that.
0: I think my concern would be if I was looking at a guy who had either a fumble issue or a turnover issue in right. general, just accuracy right. problems, I might look into that and say, is this potential, is there a reason he may have it that's physical? Aside from you know, is it not something we can tweak? Is it just something like, hey, he has too small of hands? Right. Maybe I would look into that. But the problem is, we've seen again to get to this point, to be this level of prospect, your hand has to be a requisite size to hold a football and throw it down the field.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. So, I mean, I guess if you wanted to go to conspiracy theorists, you could argue LSU maybe plays with with different. Inflated footballs, maybe, and maybe his high school. I mean, let's face it, high schools do doctor footballs for their own guys, right? I mean, they do. Yeah, and It's, right it's a different ball in general. And it's a different ball in general. Yeah. But, but I, I, I just don't. I, I don't see it. Like I said, with this, I don't. Again, it's 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 a measurable, but it's also the measurable. Of if suddenly Joe Burrow runs a five one forty, is it going to make me go? Eh, I don't know. I, no, I I just need him to throw the football. I need him to throw it accurately. I need him to make good decisions. I need him to have a little bit of pocket presence. And he and he has all those things. And he I he. He doesn't fumble and you know he played also not only in Ohio when it got cold right he's playing in Louisiana in September when the humidity is 9,000 percent and it's 85 degrees and you're sweating like a crazy man don't remember him having losing football there neither right I I I just it it was funny for a day I'll, I'll leave it at that it was funny for a day
0: yeah it was a it was an enjoyable day of Twitter I have no issue with the jokes and everything but it there are like legitimate people who take this seriously including oh, the that. NFL front offices oh, and I, it's, I know. it's kind of weird still well, considering like. there is zero like no one can provide any evidence that this is a thing that matters in fact there's just it seems to be like total totally random whether it matters or not
1: that's right and I think that's true again can the guy grip the football
0: yeah like Brett Favre turned the ball over constantly he had massive hands yes massive right. hands
1: right right I mean, no, I, 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 I don't think it is a big deal. If, if, I, if I saw it differently, then yeah, but I don't. I, I see a guy who can throw the football.
0: All right. Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor addressed the media on Tuesday at the Combine. In addition to talking about Joe Burrow, he also mentioned A.J. Green's contract situation, saying, quote, we know that he's going to be a Bengal come September. He went on to say, we want him to be a part of Cincinnati. He's got a great history with the organization. He's been a great member of the community, a great leader on our team. Even facing the adversity he faced the last year and a half, He's been around in all the meetings. I've really enjoyed getting to know A.J. I look forward to coaching A.J. really for the first time going into next season. Skinny, what do Zach Taylor's comments mean for A.J. Green's future with the Bengals?
1: I think it means that at the very least they're going to franchise tag him. Um, We talked with Duke Tobin as well, and and I'm going to have a story up on that later today. Um, And uh, he he really didn't provide an update on A.J., uh, but I did ask Duke. I said, you know, if you're going to franchise tag him, would it be something you'd wait until the last second to do? And, and he said, yeah, we're just going to see how this plays out. Um, I, I think the comments, though, from, from Zach Taylor, they know if they don't get a contract done, they're not letting him walk. Um, they will tag him. And I think that's what that means is he knows he's going to be a Bengal. And I know AJ's balked at the tag. I know they know where his stance is on the tag. And, yeah, was it going to cost them some time with him in voluntary workouts? It probably will. But – if they think that he's going to help Joe Burrow and help this football team and they're just going to have to swallow hard and wait till camp comes and he shows up and you hope he is healthy and plays the way he's capable of, then um, that's what they're going to do. But I think it shows me for sure they are the very minimum going to franchise tag him.
0: My thoughts on what they should have done with A.J. Green to this point are well known. I, I didn't want it to come to this. I didn't want him right. to end up being franchise tagged. Now that we are here and we're in this situation – you start looking at things and you're going to take Joe Burrow and you are going to try to make a run at this thing. I, I'm still of the opinion that there are too many holes for this team to turn it around that quickly I agree with you. and be competitive in the window that AJ Green's probably going to be here. But if you're really going to take Joe Burrow and give, and, and make him feel like he's getting an honest chance, getting rid of AJ Green his first year probably isn't ideal and probably not going to make him feel very good about the situation he's walking into. Yeah. So at this point, I get I'm yeah, I mean, you probably got a franchise tag, him, and I'm probably okay with that yeah
1: i I think you you just hope that when he has to be there for the mandatory things that he is the AJ green you know he's a professional and does all the things that you expect him to do and i I do expect that do you but think- I also don't don't blame him for not being there for the voluntary stuff either if look it's a one year deal. I'm not going to get hurt when this doesn't isn't mandatory. I'm not doing it, I don't blame him if he doesn't show up I, I'm of the
0: opinion that players for the most part look out for each other and want them to do what's best for themselves individually and take care of their families and their health and all that. Do you think his the way guys inside the locker room looked at him was changed at all by the way he handled last year and not coming back and playing at all?
1: Yeah, I I think guys could see that he made a business decision, and I don't know if it makes them look at him differently, but I guarantee you some of those maybe younger guys who never thought in those terms, like Joe Mixon, who's – going to be a free agent after 2020 so he's now in that year of leverage leveraging himself and leveraging his contract i think joe probably saw that and took that to heart and now he's going to be in that stance of oh, my my ankle's bugging me man i, I just don't, i don't know if i can go I, I just i don't know if i can do it and i think that that guy saw that i i do but i think they also will see that when when aj green is healthy and ready to roll, that he's going to be a pro, he's going to carry himself like a pro, he's going to prepare like a pro, and he's going to help them win football games. He makes them a better football team. I think they'll see that too.
0: Yeah, but I do think it's a little bit different when a guy like him, who you just called him a pro three times in a row, everyone's always said those things about him. He's looked at as... Except the way he
1: handled last year. That was weird.
0: But everyone's always looked at him as a level-headed, good guy, a good locker room guy. I think when other younger players see a guy like that make a business decision and, and think of himself first, I think it is a little more influential than maybe, do, yeah. you know, a, a guy that's known as kind of a locker room cancer or a hard guy to get along with. I, I do think his his decisions are a little more impactful than someone oh, else's I may agree. have been. I
1: mean, Joe Mix's locker is two lockers down. You don't think that he didn't see that up close and personal, right?
0: I think it matters. I mean, I, I at the end of the day, I think it's still, he's probably doing the right thing for himself. And I don't think anyone's going to resent him for doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's the
1: thing. I don't think there's a, there's a, There's a right or wrong. I think they're just, there's an is. It matters (laughs) and it it
0: impacts people. I
1: I get the Bengals are going with the franchise tag part of that, right? Because I just can't allocate multiple years for a guy who's played one game in the last year and a half. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I also have the leverage as a franchise to put that tag on you. It was collectively bargained. I'm allowed to do that. You're still getting paid handsomely. And AJ's made that point. I ain't walking away from 18 mil. Wife ain't going to let me do that. So um, he also knows that business part of it. But then the other business part of it is, It's only a one-year deal. I'm not coming to something where I might get hurt on my own time. I'm sorry. I'm just not. And I understand that part of it too. And hopefully the Bengals... Understand that it's it, it, it. This is the part of the the game that is the business part of it that you just have to understand sometimes. Yeah, that suck it's it not, up and deal with it yes, because bo- everyone's uh, doing what's too. best for them. Yeah, right. No, exactly right. Bengals are doing what they think is right for them. AJ's doing what he thinks right for him. So I do think back to the comments though, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong in reading into that. I mean, I think that in the way Zach talked, I'm looking forward to coaching him. I think he knows. We're getting him back one way or the other, so I think that's what that showed.
0: I think that's right, and let's be honest. I mean, there's nothing else to say at this point anyway. It's not like you're going to say, we're shopping him. Yeah, right. Because even if if you are, if it doesn't work out, you really don't need any more um, gasoline on the fire between A.J. Green and the organization right now. That's right. NFL owners voted to expand the playoffs to 14 teams and replace a preseason game with a 17th regular season game and a new proposed 10-year labor agreement. The expanded playoffs would add an extra wildcard team from each conference. The two-seed would also lose its bye into the second round, creating another wildcard game on the first weekend of the playoffs. Now the Players Association has to decide whether to accept decline or seek farther negotiations. Skinny, do you like the proposed changes by the NFL owners to expand the playoff field
1: and the regular season? Definitely, I don't like the season. I mean, the, the 17th game is weird because so one year, one team's getting nine home games and another one's getting eight? Do we want some level of equity there?
0: Well, I think the uh, the thought is that it's going to be a neutral game for everybody, and everyone's going to have like either an overseas trip or yeah, some type which of I weird hate, exhibition which I hate even worse. thing. And I which think
1: the players hate even worse.
0: Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of there's going to need to be a lot of concessions made on the owner side to things players want, like uh, less practices and training camp, yeah, less and, things and, with pads, and, and, and all I, that. And I
1: th- and, and there's no doubt. I think they're talking about going from 28 padded practices down to 16 is what the players are looking looking to do. And I think that's stupid. I think that's cutting their nose off to spite their face because I don't think that allows you the time to get prepared to play tackle football. I think you need to have some time in pads tackling each other. It just it is what it is. It doesn't mean you gotta go back to the barbaric days of two hours of, of inside running drill every day where people are going full speed contact for, you know, five days a week in, in training camp. That's that part's proven to be silly. Um, you know, obviously, there's gonna the, 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 the owners are willing to cave some on on marijuana, and I think that's smart. That, that's, that's logical to me.
0: Well, hell, I mean, it's going to be legalized across Correct. the entire country Correct. by the time this next bargain agreement is up. And, and,
1: and I think players should be able to manage their pain the way they want. And, you know, maybe sometimes that's over the line, but that's, that's their bodies. I mean, they're the ones who are in pain. Who's to tell you how you want to manage your pain? Hopefully, you do it in a controlled, smart manner. But yeah. it's your pain. It's oh, well, not my pain. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, if they're not taking weed, they're basically being given heroin and pill form yes, by the yes, doctors no doubt. in the NFL. No doubt. So it's not like it's better for yeah,
1: them. Yeah, and, and um, there's a couple other things. I mean, expanding the rosters. I, I know the Players Association will go for that. They're expanding the practice squad from 10 to maybe 14 when all said and done. The regular roster from 53 to 55. Um, increasing pay. I know they want more pay. They want it to be a 50-50 split instead of a 52-48 split, which is proposed. I think if I'm the players, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna balk at the seventeenth game more than I balk at anything. That, that's just me. I, I again, a I think it's unwieldy, and and in a season where. If I'm three and twelve. I don't. I don't. I don't even want the sixteenth game, let alone a seventeenth. Yeah, and I doing just,
0: so would probably add an extra bye week from what they're talking. If actually, they were, they were talking about it. maybe
1: not doing an extra bye week. I think that's what the players would like. Yeah, if the you player. Do the yeah. players are
0: going to ask for an extra yeah, bye week, and, and I don't blame
1: them for that either. I I, th- I think I'd do that too. I know you're Mister Playoff. Hell, let them all in, give them all the medals. So <laughs> I know you're happy with the expanded playoffs. I'm indifferent on that one. That. That doesn't seem egregious. I mean, I know. It's oh, wait, base- it's not going to ruin the sport like it would in baseball. Yes, correct. Because baseball, the big one sixty two is the big one sixty two, and it should be the big one sixty two. Rick Brewering. I'm indifferent either way. I really am. I I know that's counter to what I said last. Week. I I just think baseball is different. One hundred sixty two games is a is a is a long season to to suddenly be watered down by this. Um, you know, I, I think it's to your point of last week, which was which is a good point. Again, I disagree with expanding that playoffs, but it will keep. Some markets in the mix longer, right? I mean, yeah, we, I was looking we, at. We pro- see, I mean, we see, we see every year. It feels like everybody but five teams is still in the hunt in the last week of the season, as it is, right? Well,
0: well that's the thing. It's made the last few weeks of the season already crazy with the wild card spots, and everyone feels like they have a chance there almost. Now you're going to go maybe another game or two down to where like you know, you can have another loss or two and still be I mean, in that
1: mix. You could technically and somebody did the math on this, somebody was, was hypothetically doing a grid of, of how a season would play out. You could have all four teams in a division make a playoff, right? I mean, the winner two nine and sevens and an eight and eight or something, or a ten and six and a nine and a seven, nine and seven. I mean, it, it could happen.
0: Yeah, I was looking through like the Bengals recent history, for instance, and seeing like, wait, would this have impacted? Would they have gotten in? And no, there was no within the last five years, right. you know, well, five years ago they made the playoffs. They won the division, but it, there were maybe a year or two where probably the last three or four weeks of the season would have been a lot more hopeful yeah. all of a sudden because you're thinking, hey, you win two or three of these games and you got a chance. Yeah, and you're not,
1: the way they're talking about doing this, you're not adding another week of playoffs to it. You're just reformatting the way things are done, and it, now it means... We see a lot of teams sitting, guys. When two teams have already kind of one team's wrapped up the number one and one team's wrapped up the number two, and they both have home field and everybody's sitting, guys. Well, I also maybe it's less guys getting being sat the last week. I also don't think
0: it's necessary for the top two seeds to both get by. Like, I don't think that needs to be a thing. I think the two seeds should be playing a game that first week. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying.
1: That's the good part here is you're not expanding it with another week, you're just reformatting the way it's done. And that team that had the buy is now playing the first week and one team gets the buy. And maybe I think that's that, that doesn't bother me either. It means the best team in each conference has earned the one seed, right?
0: Yeah. I'm all, I'm all for the expanded playoffs, especially in the NFL, because I don't think it really is 24
1: teams though, right? No, I don't, don't, No, I mean, you want 32 teams. You want them all in seat them one through 32. Let's go.
0: Now. See, why do you always got to be ridiculous with it when it's very logical to do both of these, these uh, proposals in both sports? I mean, the the NFL one is different though because you're not really changing the integrity right. of the season at all for yeah. it to do so. What
1: do you think of the 17th game though? I just I it don't just feels really care. It Just feels it, unwieldy.
0: I agree with you that it's not necessary. Like you don't need it. The players don't seem to want it. And at what point in the seat? Like at what point does it just get us to the playoffs? You know, uh, like I don't need an extra.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I know what owners are obviously doing. And that's why the players are saying, look, if you're going to do this, you're making more money with the extra playoff team. You're making more money with the regular season game because more people will probably buy that. I want more of that money too. Yeah, shave, okay.
0: Shave off the regular or the the extra preseason game. I'm totally fine with that. I Only play three preseason games, but I don't know that you need to add a 17th game to the regular season. Well, schedule. I
1: think the reason they do it is basically you're taking you're taking a gate away in the preseason and sure. you're adding it to the regular season. Yeah, it works out great for the owners. Sure, and that's what the players say. That's fine. Give us the split then. Give us a better better split. I I, I think it's good that we're at least at a conversation stage with this, and hopefully the players. I know a lot of players immediately said, "No, this is stupid," and there are some ways it is. I mean, I think the revenue split is the one that's going to be the big sticking point, and eventually, owners will probably have to say, "All right, we'll give you a bigger chunk of the pie, but now you give us back this." I think if I'm the players, I'm going to fight for no more no 17th game, and I'm going to fight for better better medical coverage, and I'm going to fight for eliminating the whole marijuana being suspended for marijuana. Yeah,
0: pre rolled joints in the locker room after game, son. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears, Skinny. weed every day. Kentucky recently launched a hashtag pick Nick campaign designed to get Nick Richards selected as an All-American. Richards has been excellent in the second half of the season and is averaging 14.3 points, 8 rebounds, and 2.2 blocks per game. However, his teammate Emmanuel quickly has thrown himself into the mix for an All-American bid as well. Quickly is averaging 16.2 points per game while shooting 42.9% from three-point range with four rebounds and 1.9 assists. Last week, he scored 26 against Florida and 30 at Texas A&M to lead the Cats to two big wins. Skinny, would you take Emmanuel quickly or Nick Richards as your pick for SEC Player of the Year? Or do you think it's someone else from the SEC? Which, uh, to me, it's got to be one of the UK guys, I I mean, guys, it could, I it,
1: I mean it, the best player is the Edwards kid from from Georgia. He's the best player.
0: The best player, but he hasn't really had the best no, year, agree. I don't think, you know, and agree. his team is trash. And,
1: and that's always the the yin and the yang of it, too. Um I'd go with Nick Richards. I I think Emmanuel Quickly's been great. Um, they need his scoring ability. But I think if you had Emmanuel Quickly gone for two weeks and Nick Richards gone for two weeks, Kentucky survives without Emmanuel Quickly way easier than they survive without Nick Richards.
0: I think that's right. It's tough sometimes for people to look past the scoring, especially like this past week when those two games Richards scores like 10 and 6, right. him, while and while quickly, quickly is off. going nuts yeah. and leading you you know, 22 points in the second half of that game against Florida, being clutch, those things are a big deal, especially this time of year. At the same time, I don't know that he impacts the game or controls the game in as many ways as Richards does with the shot blocking, with the rebounding, with the just being a 7-footer who's so athletic and long and can move. When
1: he's in the game, you don't attack the rim on them. When he's out of the game, you can see it. Dude, you can see, when he's out of the game, it is, all systems go, let's go to the rim. And when he's back in the game, it's, you yeah, pitch it back out.
0: It changes everything. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think I'd have to go with Nick Richards. There.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's where sometimes you got to look at it. And, and I, think, I think you'll agree with this. Big men are also easier to defend. I mean, it should be harder to defend than guards are. I mean, it's... I'm it, it, oh, sorry, easier to defend. I think you can do more things to try to counteract bigs than you can do to counteract guards. Yeah, I mean, you can. You can dig. You, you can, can keep you can the ball out it. of a big man's hands. Correct. You can front it and make them have hard ways to get it. Guards sometimes are the product of being right place, right time. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Emanuel quickly, don't, and I hope you don't think I'm doing that or anybody's listening. To I'm not. He he's been a huge part of what Kentucky's done, but. I think this team's rise from starting in the Louisville game to today is all due to one guy,
0: yeah, Nick and Richards. And I do wonder if they're going to kind of sabotage themselves on the All American teams because they, you know, they're sharing stats right, right now and sharing the limelight a little bit, and it gets tough to put two guys in from the same team. Although this Kentucky team for all the things that were said about them midway through the year, they've turned out to have a pretty good season. Absolutely. And these two guys are legitimate contenders for not only Player of the Year in the conference, but also All-Americans in my opinion. Yeah, I mean,
1: really, they're they're only lost in the last, what, 12 games is the one at Auburn when you could argue officiating got them a little bit that night, and Auburn's pretty good at home. I mean, so there's two-fold factor there.
0: Yep. While we're on the topic of awards, we're heading into the final two weeks of the regular season, and we have a pretty good idea of how conference standings are shaping up at this point. Here's a look at where local teams currently sit. Cincinnati is 18-9 and overall, 11-4 and in the American Athletic Conference, and tied for first right now. They were picked to finish third preseason. Kentucky is 23-5, and 13-2 in the SEC. They are first place by themselves. They were picked to finish first. NKU is twenty-one and eight overall, thirteen and four in the Horizon League. They are in second by themselves. They were picked to finish second. And Xavier is eighteen and ten overall, seven and eight in the Big East. They are seventh in the Big East right now. They were picked to finish third in the preseason. Skinny, can you make a case for any of the local coaches winning Coach of the Year in their respective conferences?
1: I, I'd go Cal. I mean, I, I, I even though Kentucky was picked to win it, I just think where they came from in in December. With the losses to Evansville and Utah, I don't think the Ohio State loss at the time was a bad loss. It just looked like it was kind of compounded on the way they were playing. And and but man, since yeah. the Louisville game, I I think he's, I think he's done a great job with this group. I think this group has evolved into. I mean, I know they sit as what probably a four seed and bracket matrix but I could make an argument that right now they're one of the five best teams in the country the way they're playing. Now, that doesn't mean they deserve a one seed, mind you, but I could make that argument.
0: It's kind of weird how their defensive number has slipped so much on the defensive efficiency. They were up among the elite. I mean, they were top 15 right. in the country there for a while, and now they're in like the 40-ish range. So it's been kind of weird to see that number slip, but it's also coincided with them getting a little bit more free-flowing on offense right. and making more shots. So I think that's a part of it. I, I guess the other question would be, who, who else... Would be in the mix from the SEC for Coach of the Year if it's not Kyle.
1: I, I guess you could argue based on what Auburn lost. Maybe Bruce Pearl. I mean, Auburn did lose a pretty good chunk.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Will Wade's too slimy to, to pick, so I could, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, yeah,
0: Auburn was picked to finish fourth preseason. LSU picked to finish third
1: preseason. And they're right there. They're two three, right? Yeah. I, I mean. I'd almost say Arkansas, but they still had the stretch but then, where they but lost. They started to slip, but then you can also look back and they missed the six games without the without Brandon Joe, and Brandon Joe's a big part of what they do, right?
0: Yeah, Isaiah Joe. Or Isaiah Joe, yeah, yeah he's um, a
1: big part of what they do.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've really, I mean, they're kind of still on the bubble even with all the games that they've lost. They were picked to finish 11th coming into the year. Musselman's a good coach. Musselman can coach. I don't think he has a chance to win Coach of the Year this year, but he's probably maybe done the best job.
1: Cal, Cal, Cal lobbied for Kermit Davis after the old Miss game. <laughs> He did. <laughs> he loves lobbying for guys that he know he can just beat like their H- brains. In. Said, that's what Hugs. Hugs used to love. Boy, Joey. Joey Meyer does a great job. I I I don't know why they're always on him here at DePaul. Well, yeah, you beat his brains in too. You know what's funny about Xavier? Um, and I don't think Travis. I would put him up for their coach of the year in the league. But when when we were talking pre pre conference about what we thought this team's record would be, I said ten and eight. I think you shot for nine and nine, maybe eight and ten almost dead where they are right i mean that's yeah basically he, where they are
0: and yeah that's the funny thing when you say you're seventh in the big east the difference between seventh and third in the is, big is east is a game can, right yeah, two it, games a it, game and a half whatever it yeah. can be really clustered there so um yeah i mean i don't think there's any possibility that you would even consider travis because xavier has been if anything probably a disappointment this year but you are you you bring up a good point that really in terms of expectations record wise they're not far off of what you would have asked this team to do.
1: Like I said, I think I said 10 and 8 before the conference started. I think you said 8 and 10, maybe 9 and 9, whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can speak yeah. for yourself. But the right where we expect, but it, it never I, feels like that, right? If I if had told you before the conference started, Xavier fan, would you take 9 and 9 right now? If I gave you 9 and 9 and you don't have to sweat any bullets throughout the conference, would you take it? I, I think if I'm a logical Xavier fan, I'd have taken it and said, yes, sir, thank you, thank you for that, and we'll go to the tournament. Instead, it's been fret, 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 fret look up. They're very much legitimately have a chance to go nine and nine.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and fans, you know, always are logical before the things happen. Then they see their team actually perform in that manner. And it's a different story. They they're not OK with it anymore. And so I think that's what you're, you're getting a lot. And in fairness to the fans, this Xavier team hasn't looked great. I mean, they are so limited. They're so tough to what, watch offensively. the world offensively. got into them against DePaul. Yeah, the shooting in the first half of that DePaul game was just silly. <laughs> I mean, you won't see that again. No,
1: you won't. I mean, that's that's goofy.
0: Although, all you know, but here's the thing about that game. They shoot like that. They're 12 for 25 from the outside. But They make 10 in the first half, right? Yeah, they make 10 in the first half. And yet they still really couldn't pull Put away right, from right, DePaul right. And, and dominate them. So I don't even know that this team has like that much upside, even if they're able to make a few shots like that, because I still think they'll struggle to beat good teams. And so I think that's why, like, they just haven't shown up in those big games. They haven't stolen, like, a game against Villanova or something like that to really get fans excited about it.
1: And the other one is, I think I can make a case for Darren Horn. Based on the injuries? I think that's the best case in here, now, if we're being honest. I, yeah, I, I think I'd have to probably give it to Youngstown guy, whoever in the hell he is. Jared
0: Calhoun is in the mix. We you know, I was talking about that with Jim Kelch this weekend when we were driving home. And Jared Calhoun has done a heck of a job with that Youngstown state program yes. over the last three yes. years.
1: And so just I think sometimes you do it based on on where a program was. I mean NKU's program was in good shape, except if you follow this closely enough, all the injuries that Darren had to deal with. Losing the player of the year in the league and Drew McDonald, I mean, that's a... that's a Take 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 a guy like that off... Of, take a 2,000-point score off a lot of teams in this There aren't a lot of 2,000-point scorers on any teams in this country.
0: Exactly. I mean, you lose your, your best player in school history. You're a brand-new coach with a brand-new staff, and you're implementing a system on both sides of the ball that is totally foreign to what the guys who are still there were playing doing without a season post. ago. You lose your point guard and probably second or third most talented player on the team early in the season for a significant portion. Then you lose your guy who was looking like player of the year in the conference for a significant portion through the middle of the season. You've fought through all that. You've only lost the the, uh, eight games, four in conference play. I think Darren Horn has a heck of a case. Charles Nagy at Wright State is first in the conference. He was picked to be first in the conference. He's won it back-to-back years leading into this. I think that probably works against him. I don't know if they want to give it to the same guy three years in a row, even though he's probably deserving of it because he has the best team. Um, yeah, I think Darren Horn has to be in the mix. I think um, John Brannon, it's funny because his team is right now looking like they may not even make the NCAA tournament, and yet he's tied for first in the league. Right. I mean, that's just such a bizarre conference right now.
1: No question. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's probably I don't think going he's to win, probably gonna win Coach, player, Coach of the Year either. I, yeah.
0: I, uh, I, I mean, because he had the player of the year in the conference. So out of
1: the group, if, if you had to go for one, would it be Cal?
0: Who has the best chance? Yeah. Probably Cal, because I don't know who the be- the top competitor in the SEC is. Bruce doing. Pearl
1: will be the only other one, just based on what Auburn lost.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the Horizon League, I think Darren Horn has a very legitimate shot, but I think you have Charles Nagy and Jared Calhoun from Youngstown State that both are legitimate contenders. Yep. So, yeah, I'd go with Cal. All right, Skinny, while we're on the topic of the Horizon League, NKU had a big weekend winning two games on the road at Cleveland State and at Youngstown State. The Norse also got some help from Youngstown State on Thursday night when the Penguins pulled off an upset over Wright State, bringing NKU back within a game of the Raider Wolves and setting up a showdown for the number one seed in the Horizon League tournament Friday night at BB&T Arena. Skinny, is the NKU Wright State rivalry good for the Horizon League?
1: It's great for the Horizon League. And when NKU went Division One, I'll be the first to tell you that I was a, I was not a proponent of it. I, I I didn't think that people would sit up and take notice ever and um that on a night when Kentucky played that NKU wouldn't even be thought about um and some of it I I I was hoping you could get some kind of rivalry out of this and in order for it to be a rivalry you needed Wright State to be good you needed NKU to be good and there was a portion where Wright State wasn't very good in in, in the Horizon League so I didn't know if that would evolve and, and develop the way it has um, the problem is there really aren't any other real rivals in the league, right? I mean, nobody gets excited when Milwaukee comes to town or Green Bay comes to town. But then again, Nku and Wright State have been battling it out for the top spot for the last few years, right? State's got a, a colorful cat and loud and love, right? You got you know you got some guys that are that are easy to to dislike. Who was the kid you didn't like? Billy wombler No, 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 no. The kid, the kid whose mom you. Oh,
0: uh, uh, you're talking about Benzinger. Yes, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, uh, F baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think the rivalry is good for the league because I, I think in any league you need at least that kind of a rivalry. You need in you know the fact of the proximity of it. It's a, either school's fan base can drive to either one to to go watch the game. Um, but so like, yes, uh, well, I think it's really good for the league. To answer your question.
0: The, the comments you'll hear from fans of the other teams is that it's not good to only have two teams at the top every year, year after year. The way it's know. sort of turning into. I disagree with that. I think you have more credibility as a conference when you're continuously sending the same one or two teams that people know are going to be a tough out to the NCAA tournament, to the NIT.
1: And I think then the rest of the schools in the league, there's your measuring stick.
0: There's the gold standard. We want to be like them. I
1: mean, listen, the ACC was on the backbone of North Carolina and Duke for a long time, right? Even, Even though those weren't always the best team in the ACC every year, but that was the backbone of the That is the backbone of the ACC. So you want to strive for something, strive to be Duke, strive to be North Carolina, strive to beat them. I don't think it's any coincidence. Virginia ascended to, to top spot in the ACC, and then what were they able to do on top of being in the top spot in the ACC? Go win a national championship, right? Yeah. I mean, I think in the Big East, the gold standard here of late has been Villanova. Villanova. That's great. You need a gold standard in a league. Yeah. Gold standard of the Southeastern Conference for the— I mean, look, the Southeastern Conference used to be Kentucky and a bunch of football schools, and the football schools then decided— we're sick of this crap. Let's go play basketball with them. And guess what? Over the years, it's become a damn good league. Florida's won a national championship. Auburn's gone to a Final Four. LSU's going to Final Fours. Tennessee at one point was a good program back in the, you know, the eighties and or back in the nineties. Number one in the country for a period of time. Go go be them. I like I think it's great. I, I think it's good. The Horizon League had Butler. And then
0: Butler leaves for the right. A ten. Then it became Valparaiso. Valpo.
1: And I thought that was great because I knew Val- – before the Horizon, I knew who Valpo was. Didn't right. you?
0: Exactly. And that's, what, and that's where I think fans with inside the league, they think, well, if it, if we've just got this rotating you know, musical chairs of mediocrity at the top of the conference, that'd be so fun for us. Every year someone else is getting – it's exciting. The conference games mean something. But to your point, no one else outside the Horizon League would have a clue who any of you are. You'd all be seen as bottom-feeding, low-major schools that no that's one right. cares about. And that's why I think having the same teams get back to the NIT, the NCAA tournament, year after year and, and establish compete. a name.
1: And compete.
0: And, by the way, they go on the road. They play teams tough and, and buy games in and non, and non-conference. Well, like,
1: I think what NKU done over the last couple of years in the NCAA tournament, I mean, to, to, to you know, play Texas Tech, which got to the championship game toe-to-toe for, what, 30 minutes right to play Kentucky to a scary moment for Kentucky fans up in Indy a couple years ago to go in the NIT and go to Louisville and play well I think that 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 also says something too
0: and it doesn't hurt that the NCAA committees are obsessed with putting them against regional teams like Kentucky and Louisville when they play in these things to give them a little bit more notoriety do you think that this rivalry is actually relevant locally in this region or do you think it's just a thing that like NKU fans and Wright State fans talk about?
1: for the person in Anderson Township, or the person in Westchester, or the person in Cleves, that doesn't have rooting interest in NKU, I don't think they care. I, I don't think they care. I I just don't. I I don't mean to be cold about. It. I don't. I do. I think because I I grew up in Northern Kentucky and I've watched this program evolve. I think it's I think it's awesome. But yeah, for for local sports, I bet you if you ask people to list the twenty biggest rivalries. In professional or college sports here, NKU Wright State may not even make your top 20.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think if you asked most people who NKU's rival was right. or who Wright State's rival is, they would have an answer for you. I used to
1: use it when I did radio. My man Tom Gamble and I used to call it the Fountain Square 50. If you went down and asked 50 people on Fountain Square, what would the answer be, right? I don't think they'd be in that in that list. But based on, on again, the fan base of NKU, though— and it goes back to your original question. I think it's great for this league. This is what you, this is almost what you dream of. Two teams within an hour's drive of each other every year hooking up for it to matter for the league. you That's a dream scenario.
0: Well, isn't, isn't that crazy? This year, Brady Labor brought this point up Sunday night on our podcast, which I thought he it, it was a good point, that you can circle the game before the year starts like everyone did with this one and say, that's going to be a great game. It's going to have so much writing on it. It's going to be so important. But if NKU's fourth in the conference right now or Wright State's fourth in the conference right now, then it really didn't mean anything and it wasn't this big showdown. For it to get to this point where NKU was two
1: games coming into last week out of first place. You needed Wright State to slip and you needed to take care of your business.
0: Right, and you actually get that to happen to where this game becomes that showdown for all the marbles once again. Is I mean, it is kind of special. It feels like this is almost uh, fate-type thing happening. It, It does have a little bit of magic to the rivalry, but... I will fully admit that is for people that are tuned in, hyper aware of what's going on with the Horizon League. And,
1: and you know what? That's okay. That's Absolutely okay. Absolutely it is. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah.
0: I I and I don't know. I'm I'm I guess I'm curious to see if there's any upside like will people start to take notice at some point of those two schools hate each other. Or that's that's a big rivalry game in the in the local zeitgeist. I
1: think it would if if you were able to pull off a Florida Gulf Coast, right? If one of these two gets to the Sweet 16 Make a run one year and kind of captures you. Because I can remember the year after or Gulf Coast.
0: Or if there's a fight. Or if like there's a, a fight. a brawl.
1: Right. I, the year after Gulf Coast made that run to the Sweet 16, I can remember I was I was broadcasting KU t- games at the time. That was an exciting game when they came back because they had a handful of those guys back. That was that team, man. Yeah. You wanted to see them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Skinny, let's switch gears one last time before we get to our betting picks. Former heavyweight world titleist Deontay Wilder told ESPN on Monday that he will definitely exercise his right to an immediate third fight with Tyson Fury. Fury knocked Wilder down twice and stopped him when Wilder's co-trainer Mark Breland threw in the towel to ring. as Fury was pounding Wilder in a cor- corner during the seventh round of the rematch on Saturday at the MGN Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Under terms of the deal for the rematch, both sides had the right to invoke an immediate third fight regardless of the result. The contract states that the fight would have to take place by July 18th, but promoter Bob Arum has already said the fight will likely be pushed to the fall. Do you want to watch another Fury Wilder rematch? And what do you want to see next in boxing's heavyweight division?
1: I think boxing needs this, right? I mean, you always need the heavyweights to be relevant and make people care. I'm not sure. I've heard. Yeah, more unfortunately, pe-
0: this fight just wasn't that great. No, you're
1: right, but 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 people were still talking about it the next day. Oh yeah, and people were talking about it leading up to it, and they did a great job with the all access stuff. And it, you know, I thought they did because a, a, I, I, I think I think boxing to some degree is, is such a farce because all it is is a money grab, but. I thought they did a really good job of building this up, building the personalities up, especially for – I knew who these guys were, but not like some of the stuff that they did. I didn't watch all of it, but yeah. it made me interested.
0: Theory helps that. He's yeah, he does, really right. easy yes. to yes. either – he's polarized. Yes. He's really easy to hate. That, that, he's really easy that, to that, like if you're into him. Right.
1: That's what you need. Yeah, and I don't even know if, if the fact the fight wasn't great made you go, well, that sucked. I, maybe it did you. You're a bigger yeah. boxing aficionado than I am, but I don't –
0: yeah, I left saying that sucked. But but it's but only because the first fight between those guys was so explosive yeah. and so like if I, I don't know if I had really in my lifetime I a
1: Ring, man!
0: I don't think I had seen a match like that in my lifetime where guys were hit like heavyweights that were that good and that explosive hitting each other like well, and getting the up.
1: These dudes are so freaking big. I mean, did you see Mike Tyson up against, what's his face? He looked like his, like his twin brother.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, man, did Mike deflate <laughs> a ton
1: since he was in the ring?
0: Which I know he did. No, these but... guys
1: are just huge. You got one dude, 6'9", 270, the other, what, 6'6", 250 going at it?
0: Yeah, which was weird that they both put on so much weight for this fight since the rematch. I, I didn't think that helped Wilder at all. No. Obviously, for Fury, it worked out just fine. But it, it kind of stunk because Fury had a great game plan, technically. And he was able to execute it well to the point that it never really got into... A thing where they were trading punches wildly, which is where Wilder kind of shines. Well,
1: lick your sweat, and drink your blood, man. That
0: was a little bit bizarre. Not my favorite thing to watch. But, but I think
1: the, the casual person loves that stuff.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, they you, do. you need
1: you need the weirdness sometimes
0: sure. in a, in a character like Fury, and he brings that.
1: And that's what you, I mean. Look, I grew, I grew up in the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Ken. Nor- I mean, it felt like every fight back in the seventies was was huge because the personalities were big. Ali was certainly just such a huge personality that. And he was polarizing, obviously, too, for many different reasons. But he was must-see TV. Was different time, different place. I mean, obviously, boxing was was more in the forefront because you didn't have a college basketball game on TV every night. Um, you didn't have the NFL, the behemoth it is, all of those things. But even back in the Tyson days, Tyson was must-watch just because you were trying to see how quickly he'd knock somebody to the canvas and be done with it. I mean, so you, you needed some of – I think you need big personalities and at least personality and big – Draws like this, I, I do. I, I think I think you need the rematch too. I do. I see. That's where I
0: disagree because I'm not saying that they don't need to fight again. But right now, after just seeing that, and it being kind of an anticlimactic fight, they had such an unbelievable first fight where it ends up in a right. draw. Then they have this fight that's kind of boring, anticlimactic, and Fury dominated. I mean, it was really wilderhead had no chance. No, what did
1: he land? He landed three times a punch or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
0: it wasn't even clear. I mean, once he started bleeding out of his ear early in the fight, maybe second or third round, he had clearly lost his balance, and he couldn't throw the right anymore, and if he doesn't have that home yeah, run you're done. swing yeah, you're done. his he doesn't really ha- he's not as, as good of a technical boxer like a guy like Fury is so uh, to me i'd like to see wilder fight anthony joshua and then set up who gets to fight fury All in right. in, a, in another battle because to me and joshua like- is the only guy that's kind of in their class
1: i like those because those are i go back to like i said in the 70s it, it was ali beat somebody and then that person would have to go fight his way back to ali again and um those all those matches leading up to that were always very interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you that.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying I won't watch this rematch. I obviously will. Um, the, I wish it was going to be in July. Sounds like they're going to push it back to the fall, which kind of stinks to wait that long for it again. I would just rather see the Wilder-Joshua matchup because that'd be much anticipated hype. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. And then if Wilder responds really well, hammers Joshua, then you have a little bit more excitement leading up to that fight again against Fury as it is. I don't know. I, I think Fury's probably going to beat him again.
1: Yeah, I think you could sell it to, to, to that camp, too, of saying, listen, you got a chance for a payday here, and then maybe even a bigger payday for, for a rematch, because then it becomes more anticipated.
0: Yeah. Doesn't sound like it's going to go nope. that way, though. Nope. All right, Skinny, let's get to our bets.
1: Let's do it. Last week, I was 4-4-2, four, four, and two. and for those that don't know, we use the lines that uh, that Ken Pomeroy creates from KenPom.com, because the betting lines themselves don't come out till the day of games, so we are not able to do it. So it, it is incredible to both Rick and I that that when we take these lines, how Damn accurate they are. That's why we have ties, it seems like. Makes me 73, 75, 53, and 6. So still pretty darn good profit margin. You're inching your way towards the profit line. 6'2 two, and 2 last week. 66, 62, and 6 so you're just below the Mendoza line for making a profit, but you're getting there step by step by step. Now let's get to our games.
0: And still, I mean six ties just That's incredible. Blows my mind. Friday, 7 p.m. We've got the showdown that we referenced earlier. Wright state comes to BB and T Arena. Norse are favored by two points in that game, 142 is the total. Before you even get to your pick, are you surprised at all that NKU is a favorite after the way they got hammered at the Nutter Center? No,
1: because I, I, obviously times evolved since then, and it's now one game separates them, and this is on NKU's home court. I'd probably make it a pick if if I could, and with NKU being at home, they get a handful of points on top of that. So I, I think that line's probably right. I think it's about where the line will settle. I really do. All right, and the, um, what do you what do you like? I love NKU. I I I think that they put themselves in this position, and they're going to take advantage of it. Um, look, Wright State was clearly better. Up up in Fairborn, um, they handled NKU, they dominated NKU, but it's a one-game scenario, and it happens in basketball sometimes. You just get snowballed, and it's how you respond from that. And two times this year they've gotten snowballed, that game, and then the game a couple of weeks ago. Um, UIC. UIC. They've responded great from both of those. And, and so I think putting themselves in that position, I think they take care of business. I'll go the Norse 75, I'm going to go 77-70, a little bit of a high-scoring game. So I'll go NKU and the over.
0: All right. Well, the funny thing is, and I know people will be like, it's a Homer twist on this, you're really reaching for it. But the UIC game, getting blown out by UIC, made me feel better about this Wright State rematch because it made me feel like, okay, maybe Wright State wasn't overwhelmingly better than NKU in that first match. Just the way the game played. Well, maybe NKU has this little bit of a tendency to kind of quit when they get smacked in the mouth because they're better than UIC. I had already seen that in person. So the, the fact that they could do that to UIC after already hammering them in Chicago made me feel like, oh, they've had a couple outlier performances now that for whatever reason, they just quit in those games. Which makes me feel like that NKU wasn't themselves in the game at the nutter center when right state just gave it to him i'm with you i think nku pulls this one off but i do think it's going to be an absolute war i'm going nku 68 right state 65 so that's nku and the under all right saturday 345 auburn comes to Rupp arena the wildcats are six point favorites the total is 140 in that game
1: I think Kentucky wins. I think they get a lead that's, that's substantial, and they do what they do. They, they don't seem to completely put people away for whatever reason, and Auburn is a goofy enough team the way they play to find a way to get down by 12 to 15 and then make a furious rally that makes you sweat. I do think being at home, I think Kentucky is the better team. I'll go Wildcats 75-72, so, can, so Auburn to cover in the over, but UK gets the outright win.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I when I was looking at this game, I see the six, and I'm like, man, that's right on. Like five, yes. five feels like what I'd like to pick. At the same time, I don't feel good about taking Auburn to cover this at Rupp Arena. So I'll tell you what I'd what I'll actually do when I go to bet this game on Saturday. I'm going to take a five point teaser and take both Kentucky. ways. To take Kentucky down to uh, one. Okay, I
1: thought you maybe go Kentucky down to one on one of them and Auburn up to 11. Ooh, try to, try middle. to middle it? I do that a lot. Uh, I, I, I like the middle game. I
0: don't hate that. That's actually a pretty good call. Maybe I will do that. I'm definitely taking Kentucky down to one with some other games. Um, um, I, I think UK, for this pick, I'm going to say UK covers it, though. UK 74, Auburn 67. So UK just covers the six, and it just goes over. Okay, there we go. Sunday, 2 p.m., Xavier is at Georgetown. The Hoyas are three-point favorites in this one. 141 is the total.
1: Boy, Georgetown is a weird team, man. They are they are goofy. You go to Butler and win pretty handily, right? And then you follow that up by losing at home to Providence, which is not awful to lose to Providence, but you turn around and lose at home by 10. Then go to DePaul and lose. I think Xavier gets the road win here. Um, it's probably... It, it's. I have no logic anymore inside the Big East I'm just going to roll with, with what I'm watching here of late And that's probably the wrong way to go Because it feels like every time you feel good about a Big East team Or feel bad about a Big East team They do the exact opposite I feel good about Xavier going to Georgetown and pulling off this one I'm going to go X seventy three sixty nine. So Xavier and the over Barely the over Georgetown's weird
0: I agree with you that Xavier Is going to pull this one off I think they went outright as well um georgetown has been struggling with some injuries with that when mac mcclung is not scoring for them they're they can struggle offensively in a big way i think that gives xavier a much better chance they'll make it ugly they'll they'll make it a rough and tumble game this matchup worked out fairly well for xavier the first time around i'm gonna say xu 67 georgetown 65 so that's xu and the under,
1: yeah. McClung did not even play in their, that game against the Paul, a couple or whatever the last game against the Paul. Yeah, so, he's been injured, yeah.
0: and and when he's not in there, they're just not the same offensively. Now they've they've had some decent performances without him, but still, you can see it where yep. they just scuffle sometimes offensively. All right, final game of the weekend. Cincinnati is at Houston Sunday at one p.m. Houston is a seven-point favorite. One thirty-three is the total in that game.
1: I. I can't get UC to win on the road. I want to Bearcat fans. I do. I'm I'm gonna be rooting for you. Um, I do like the seven because I just think this this feels like it's one of those games. This it's gonna be come a war. Down the wire. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't. I don't. Especially after watching the first game, I don't see this being more than seven.
1: Yeah. I, I, the seven seems like a gift. I, I think it's gonna come down to the wire. I, I'm gonna go Houston 61-59. So the Bearcats covered, stays way under, and maybe it stays that score, and somehow UC throws one at the buzzer, and they if UC wins, it's going to be on a buzzer beater. I mean, I mean, I do think there's it'll no be way UC is pulling away and creating separation in this game, right? I, mean, I you're just not.
0: I totally agree with We've you. We've seen there.
1: that. We've seen them on the road against even bad teams. They can't create. They create an eight point lead and it's gone in the blink of an eye.
0: I'm with you on UC and the under, though. I'm going Houston 68, UC 64. So that's UC and the under, just as you had. Did we pick any games differently on that? Or I don't we believe were the so. I, I, think the only thing, pick? I think
1: the only thing we're different on is... You've got the under in NKU, and I've got the over. You've got the under in Xavier, and I've got the over. I think I went over on just about everything. Usually, I'm the under guy. I went, I went three overs and one under. We both went under on the UC game as well. But, yes, I think on the picks themselves, both got NKU. Well, you covered UK, though. I did not cover UK. I got UK outright.
0: Okay. So well, I, I think I think what I'll do is Kentucky tease it down five points along with Cincinnati teasing them up five points yeah, I to like 12. That. I like that. And I think I feel T, really Xavier, good about you're up to that. Eight? I'd feel pretty good about that one, about too, goes, but three, I don't know if i feel th- 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 that good here's about it. your
1: three-team teaser of the week, kids. I don't
0: love betting on Xavier, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I, 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 I got you. I'm no good. All right, Rick, good stuff as always. We'll be back next week. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition.